بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وألحقنا بعبادك الصالحين أما بعد الحمد لله we thank Allah سبحانه وتعالى for توفيق to stand during the month of Ramadan Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم has promised من قام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه the person who stands in the nights of Ramadan with hoping for reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with full iman in Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would pardon their past sins. In tonight's recitation, there were a few surahs recited and amongst them was Surah Al-Ahzab. Ahzab means the surah of the factions, referring to the battle of the trench which had occurred in the fifth month, the fifth year after the hijrah of Rasulullah. In the opening verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dispels some superstitions and misconceptions which were found in the Jahili period. And amongst them was if a person was intelligent in his community and he had a high level of intellect and understanding, they had this superstition or misconception that he must be having two hearts in his chest because he's got a super fast brain. So there must be something special in him for him to be having that much intelligence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَا جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِرَجُلٍ مِّنْ قَلْبَيْنِ فِي جَوْفِهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not created men in this way that there will be two hearts in, in their chest. And another um, practice that the Jahili period, uh, uh, people of the Jahili period were engaging in was a practice called Zihar. Zihar is a phrase which a husband utters to his wife in which he compares her to his mother in terms of her being prohibited and haram for him. So you say the way my mother is haram for me, this is how you are haram for me. And in the Jahili period, they would regard this to be tantamount to her becoming like his mother. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dispelled this. And in fact, in another verse, clearly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, your mothers are the, the, the women who gave birth unto you. She doesn't become your mother by you saying that you are like my mother. So this was one of the ignorant practices of the Jahili period. And the third was, وَمَا جَعَلَ أَدْعِيَاءَكُمْ أَبْنَاءَكُمْ You adopted children are in reality not your children. So this is something which we need to understand. In terms of Sharia, taking care of orphans is something very, very virtuous. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, myself and the one who takes care of an orphan will be like these two fingers on the day of Qiyamah. In other words, the difference between the index and the middle finger, the small difference, this is how, oh, how close they are to one another. This is how close we will be on the day of Qiyamah and in Jannah. And Rasulullah sallallahu said, the person who takes care of an orphan, his house shines unto the inhabitants of the sky, unto the malaika, the way the stars twinkle for us on the dunya. When we look up into the sky and we see the stars, this is how those houses twinkle to the malaika in which an orphan is taken care of. So taking care of an orphan, there's no denying the importance and the, the virtue of that particular act. However, even in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we find that there was a, a young man who was very beloved unto Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was known as Hibbu Rasulillah, the beloved of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His name was Zayd ibn Haritha. And he was given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was a slave and he was given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a gift by his blessed wife, Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha. And eventually his father tracked him down and he came to pay the ransom for the freedom of his son. And Rasulullah said, I am not here to charge any money for, for him. Give him the choice. And Zaid is called and he said, do you want to go with your father and your parents that were looking for you for, for such a long period of time? 
Or do you want to stay with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that type of enthusiasm. He said, how can I leave the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even to go to my parents? And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved him so dearly that even in Mecca, people were calling him Zayd ibn Muhammad. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us in these verses, Call them by the names of their fathers. Because your lineage and your nasab, the, your family line, is something sacred in deen. And this is why zina and adultery and fornication is something so frowned upon in sharia, because it breaks the sacred chain, which is a link between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, between family members. It's, it contaminates it and pollutes it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, call them by the names of their children. So it is very important that while looking after an orphan, while looking after if there's somebody in our care, we should not give the impression or make the child think that we, if it's not my child, that I am the real father. Because as the child grows up, it becomes more and more difficult to explain to them that there might have been some circumstances. We love you like our own child. We love you like all the other children. It's not that, they, but you need to know that there is something sacred in you. You have a link to another family, but you are our, our loved one and you're part of our family. There's no harm in doing that. But concealing it is something which is contrary to the temperament of, of Sharia. Then in the, the incident of Al-Ahzab, the factions which uh, congregated to once and for all wipe out Islam of the face of the earth. They decided 10,000 strong will come and surround Medina Munawwara and they would then eradicate whatever signs of Islam will be left in Medina with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed something else. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we're not going to go into the entire story, but some points that we can learn from this incident. A few days ago, we learned from the lessons of Badr, which happened on the 17th day of the month of Ramadan. Tonight we recited of Surah Al-Ahzab. So in this, the first thing Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa did was, he consulted with the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, that the mushrikeen are coming in large numbers. How do you suggest we defend ourselves? And this is something which we as Muslims, we fall short in. And we do not consult with even our family members if you make a decision. A father, if you're making a decision in the house, it shouldn't be a unilateral decision, although you've got the permission to do so. But speak to your wife, your children, let them give their input so they feel that they are part of what is happening in the home. In our community, in our affairs, in our matters, in our businesses, we should develop the habit of what is called shura, mashura, to consult with one another. And there are etiquette that Rasulullah taught us that a person gives his suggestion and his, uh, his, his, his plan that he has in mind, plan of action. And whatever is most suitable and beneficial for the group that is making that decision, that is the decision that will be made. And when they do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ In another verse of the Qur'an, Allah says that once you've come to your determination, you've made your intention, then you place your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Rasulullah received revelation via Jibreel alayhi salam. He didn't have to ask the opinion of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. But Allah instructs him, no, you need to make istighfar for them, they will make mistakes, they will falter. Ask Allah's forgiveness for them and then you consult with them. And then when you decide what you, what the matter, then you place your reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Sayyidina Salman al-Farisi radiallahu he gave the suggestion that the best uh, approach would be something that we adopt in, the, in, in, in Persia. And that is to dig a trench so deep and so wide to ensure that the enemy has difficulty crossing over and coming into our land. And this is what 
what they did. Rasulullah accepted the suggestion of Sayyidina Salman And as it happened, they dug the trench. Nabi allocated 10 Sahaba for a particular uh, amount that they needed to dig. And Allah made it such that the, the, the part where Sayyidina Salman was digging, they came across a huge boulder. So the person who gave the suggestion of the trench, the test comes on him. Right? So he says, I went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, everybody's trying to break this boulder, nobody can break it. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, okay, hold on. He left, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa himself was, he allocated himself a place to work. And this is another sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not just to delegate, but also to try to get involved in the activity. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't work like a general, just standing and instructing, but Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam physically participated in the digging of the tent. So he left his part and he went to the area of Sayyidina Salman radiallahu and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recited some verses and dua and he struck the boulder and Sayyidina the Sahaba radiallahu anhu say we saw a huge part of it just crush and break into pieces and, and we saw a light emanating from there and we saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam very pleased he struck it a second time and with three blows he, he demolished the entire boulder. This is amongst the mu'jizat and the miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu But more than that was when they asked him, O Nabi of Allah, what was it that pleased you when we saw that spark emanating from the strike and the blow? He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed me that my ummah will conquer the palaces of the Persian Empire. And then in the next one he showed me that my ummah will take over Bilad al-Sham and they will conquer the palaces of of Syria and the Levant and he showed me that my ummah will be given the lands of Yemen these were prophecies of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam which became evident after after Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi left this world in fact Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam even made dua for the people of Sham he said Allahumma barik lana fi shamina wa yamanina he made dua oh Allah give barakah for the people for the place of Sham our Levant Syria Lebanon Palestine and Jordan and our Yemen, he made dua for those people. And from them came Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu came from Yemen. They were known as the Ash'ariyin amongst the Sahaba and they were known for the high level of Iman. And I just remember an incident when they came uh, to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was a little late and they didn't have sufficient food to, to feed their caravan that arrived in Medina. So the Ash'ariyin sent one person to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to ask him to make some arrangements for food. So he comes to the door, the blessed door of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he hears Nabi reciting the verse, There isn't a living creature on the face of this earth except that its sustenance is the responsibility of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he felt embarrassed. He said, yeah, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reciting the verse that Allah will take care of our needs and I'm going to ask him to make arrangements. So he went back. And when he goes back, suddenly they see a man coming, a, horse, a horseman coming, and he brings a whole lot of food sufficient for all of them. They send somebody the next day back to Rasulullah to thank him for making the arrangements, and he said, no, I didn't send any food. And then Rasulullah informed them that this in reality was the aid and assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on the reliance and the trust they had in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is why Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said when you have a relationship with Allah, when you're making dua and you're asking for something, 
ask with conviction. Don't think, okay, maybe Allah will accept, maybe He won't. So, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu gave the glad tidings. These are amongst the, of the miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the scholars say, yeah, in this verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we tested the iman of the sahaba. المؤمنون, they were tested. They were shaken to their core. And how were they shaken? On one side it was winter, when this battle was taking place. Winter in Medina Munawwara. The bitter cold. They didn't have sufficient food. And Sayyidina Salman said, when Nabi Sallallahu descended and, and he, his shirt opened, we saw his blessed stomach covered with two rocks, two stones. It's easy for me to say, respected brothers. Our Ramadan also, we know how short the days are. We've merely adjusted the times of eating. Our daytime, we're just eating at night now and we're having, a, uh, for, we're having suhoor. The rest of the day is like our night used to be. We're just not eating for a little while. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was so hungry and the Sahaba was so hungry and I don't think any of us would have experienced that. That to suppress the hunger, to place a big stone on one's belly and fasten it tight to suppress the pangs of hunger. Nabi Sallallahu had two stones. The Sahaba said, we had one, he had two, alayhi salatu wasalam. So in this condition, Rasulullah Sallallahu is giving the glad tidings of Syria, of Yemen, of Faris, of Persia. And this was the main test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed on the Sahaba. This distinguished between the munafiqeen and the hypocrites. When difficult times come on the ummah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests to see who's going to show fortitude and firmness and say this test is from Allah. Whatever comes is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whatever is going to happen will be with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever precautions we need to take, we will take. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then gave this glad tiding of Syria, Persia and Yemen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala separated the munafiqeen from us. So this is why this was such a vital moment in history where the munafiqeen became clear that they are the ones that are saying, مَا وَعَدَنَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِلَّا غُرُورًا Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he is, and Allah na'udhu billah, they only give us deception and they give us false promises. And the sahaba said, صَدَقَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَمَا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا إِيمَانًا وَتَسْلِيمًا And the sahaba radi Allah anhum, they said, if Allah and his Rasul said that, Persia, Syria, and Yemen, then that is the truth. And our iman will only increase because of the promise of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In this particular battle also, there's a hadith mentioned, and I will conclude with it, mentioned by Sayyidina Jabir radiallahu anhu. He said, I went to the trench and I saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was very hungry. So I went home and uh, I asked my wife, is there anything we have that we can at least feed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa She said, yes, we've got a small kid, a goat, a small goat. And, and uh, a little bit of flour to make bread. So go to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and tell him that he is the fifth of five people. In other words, you're not inviting more than five. And you know, we know that when you are told, okay, you can bring four people home, and then afterwards you say, hey, uh, Mahfman, uh, there were a few other brothers also with, and then uh, the family gets upset and say, but we didn't prepare for so many, we're gonna get embarrassed and the food might run short. So anyway, she told him, Jabir, you tell Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi he must be the fifth of five. In other words, no number six. So he goes to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and he whispers in the ear of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Ya Rasulullah, khamisu khamsatin. I want to be of Allah, you're the fifth of five people, I'm inviting you and four other people. Most probably Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali, the, the, the seniors. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi smiles. And he says, Ya Ahlul Khandaq, halummu ila ghada'i Jabir. He says, O oh, people of the trench, 
Jabir is inviting us for a meal. 1,400 people. And Jabir runs away from Rasulullah to his house. And by the door he tells her, it's not me. I didn't call so many people. We all understand why that, that we all understand you know, why, why he had to do that. So she said, why are you saying that? He said, no, Rasulullah he made the announcement. She said, if he made the announcement, then he knows the matter, what is going to happen. Rasulullah said, uh, do not remove the, the pot until I come and do not start making the bread until I come. Rasulullah came and he, he prayed and he made dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave barakah in that food from one small pot, which was sufficient only for five people, five hungry people. Rasulullah made them cover everything and he told them to come in groups of 10 into the house and he dished out and he took bread. He told her, you continue putting the bread and continue, he was dishing and 1,400 people ate from one pot and the food was still the same. And this is the meaning of barakah, respected brothers and sisters. This is the meaning of barakah. Barakah doesn't mean you have a lot of something. It means what you have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfills your needs with that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all barakah in our iman. May Allah grant us barakah in our lives, in our children, in our families, those in our families and in the community and in the ummah who are sick. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them shifa. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. The last 10 days will be starting shortly, inshallah. May Allah give us tawfiq to end the month of Ramadan in a condition that we are pardoned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah make it such that when, we, when the month of Ramadan comes to an end, as we express our happiness for Eid, the malaika should be expressing their proudness of the achievement of the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidina Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanah wa fi al-akhirati hasanah wa qida adab al-nar. Allahumma a'inna ala al-siyami wa al-qiyami wa ghaddi al-basari wa hifzi al-lisan. Allahumma ja'alna min utaqai shahri ramadhan. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.